Hey, you know how I always talk about learning as a deliberate improvement strategy and how organizations that go through significant events, you can put meaning on significant, need to make sure they deliberately build time to learn? That is exactly what today's podcast is going to talk about. Sit back. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Podcast. How are you? Happy days, happy days, happy days, et cetera, et cetera, on and on and on. We're at the end of November. And uh, it's it's happening, whether we want it to or not. Progress is speeding on. I can't wait for 2020 to get over. I just I just can't even wait. It's it's uh, it can't get over soon enough. And it's just getting I don't know the 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 amount of fatigue. Just the chronic exposure to this kind of crap takes a toll on us. There's no question about that. And making sure we're all happy and healthy and functioning and safe and, you know, walking upright and taking solid food, eating donuts. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, where'd that come from? I think that was a, that was like some kind of weird Freudian slip eating donuts. Well, nonetheless, we ought to be taking care of ourselves because it's, it seems like it's just getting rougher and weirder, but I don't know. Some places I think are doing better and then they blow back up. Europe's on fire again. Canada's on fire. They were doing really well. The United States is still a mess. I mean, just a, it's, it's, who knows? Who knows? It's a, it's a pandemic and uh, we're taxing our capacity. We're taxing our resilience. We're giving ourselves the most longest stress test in the world. That's, that's what's going on. So I don't even know what to say, except it's, you know, end of November. So that's good because that means December's here. And then maybe January. I don't know. I bet there's going to be a lot of new, pretty aggressive New Year's resolutions happening. So I'll be thinking about that. It's it's time, I think. I hope you're doing good. How's everything going? Great. We I woke up to snow this morning in, uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico in the United States. So it's winter. But it, I don't think it'll last long. Maybe. I haven't really looked at the weather yet, but uh, I don't think, I think it's supposed to be like, it's, I think it's supposed to be melty, melt the snow, but it wasn't that much of snow, so I think we'll live through it. So today's podcast is Deidre Lewis from Origin Energy in Australia, and I just adore Deidre. She just has such good energy. I mean, you can sort of, you'll sense it in this podcast, and I've talked to her before, but I really wanted to tap her brain, to, to pick her brain on this idea of what it is we're doing with what has happened. Well, it's all the stuff I was just talking about earlier. Um, you know, all these things, this chronic exposure to crisis or whatever we're calling this, pandemic or change or uncertainty, or you pick the word that's best for you. Are we taking time to learn from it? Are we getting wiser? Is that the right word? Yeah, wiser. Are we getting wiser from it? Are we deliberately doing some after-action reviews? Are we are we pulsing what's changed, what's good, what's bad? Um, who tells your story? A little Hamilton reference there. Thank you very much. I'll be around all day. Um, that discussion is exactly the discussion Deidre had with me. 
it's just a conversation, but it's it's an interesting conversation to kind of gather snapshots of how people who think about this stuff, like Deidre, leading thinkers, are thinking about this ability to learn. And that is what is encompassed in today's podcast, is that conversation. And I've been really looking forward to getting this one out to you guys and making this happen. And so let's do it. You want to? I mean, it seems like it's as good a time as any. Anything... Um, any ideas you guys have or th- things you think we should be covering we're not, it's uh, it's time to give suggestions. Because, you know, we're going to, this the whole New Year's resolution thing's coming. So we might as well think what we want it to be. It's, uh, I'm, I'm thinking if we wait long enough, everyone will have their own podcast. So every person will have their own podcast, and then that'll just, that'll be it. That'll be the new reality. But until then, who knows? <laughs> so let's listen um, carefully and with love to Deidre as she chats really about what's going on in her organization. But I think where I'm really most captivated with this conversation is what they're learning and how it's kind of moving them forward. So that is worth listening to. So sit back and relax. Here comes Deidre Lewis on the Pre-Accident Podcast. We were talking about that the other day. Um, so everything, like our call centers were out within a week after you left in March. So all our call centers are being operated from home and they still are. Um, the the um, MSC, which is our control center, was out like very fast. Um, and then on the operational sites, we had COVID safe plans in, you know, within a couple of days. So, and we had... A crew, B crew, C crew, and D crew to make sure that we had them all separated. And you know, if one crew went down, we could transition them in with the second crew. And we hired hotels so that crews could isolate if we had to do that. And yeah, so we were we responded really well because if we don't have energy, the whole country goes down, right? Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's important. No question about that. <laughs> has it has it changed the way leadership thinks about safety and capacity and resilience? Do you think? I think so. I, I think what's happened is that the focus has – so the physical health is one thing. So there's been this whole piece around distancing and making sure that you're clean and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but then there was this huge rise, I think, in awareness around how um, people – get impacted from a mental health point of view. And so um, prior to COVID, just to try and get interest around a mental health program, it was it was there, but it was probably on a little bit on the, I wouldn't say the back burner, but it wasn't, there wasn't any speed or um, uh, urgency about it. But as soon as COVID hit, I think there was a dawning of realisation that um, that we really needed to move much more quickly to support our people from a mental health point of view. So our program of mental health was literally up within weeks. Like it was up and going and now we've got a full-blown proper health and wellbeing program and there's a portal and it's all done essentially now, which, you know, it, it was, it was dragging, I guess, the space for a couple of months that we've been trying to do for years, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty good. Right. So, yeah. So I think it sped some things up, 
Um, and then other things we've really had to think about how we're going to manage, like, you know, flying engineers from Brisbane to work on a power station in South Australia is really tricky because you then if you want to bring it back, you've got to um, quarantine an individual for like two weeks in a hotel. So, um, yeah, those sorts of things have been a bit trickier. Um, but um, we just manage through what the governments in each state tell us that we have to do and, you know, look after our people as we're doing it. So, yeah. What do you but, see um, the future as? I mean, think about it as a safety leader because that's what you are. Where's this pointing us? What's your what's your spidey sense telling you? Oh wait, do you have spidey sense in Australia? Because you have poisonous yeah. spiders and stuff, so I don't know if they. You know. Oh yeah, I definitely have spidey sense. Okay. Um, I call them my little antennae, right? That's right. <laughs> Being an ex entomologist, <laughs> I get my little antennae going. But I think um, what I reckon is that um, there'll be a transition. I think in terms of how we perceive how work has to be done. So, um, and I think, you know, um, there's some really great innovation around how you deliver things in a more efficient way or how do you, because you can't often get to site, how do you, how do you have a virtual experience that's, um, that's valuable to a location that might be in Albany, which is very far away um, and you can't get there. So I think that there's a lot more innovation happening in the safety space, but I, I just can't see that it will replace the conversation on the ground with the teams. I think there'll be a certain component of it that there's an awakening that's that's actually you can you can actually interface differently for some things and it won't make a material difference. Um, but then there's other things that um, I think we know that you can't replace in a virtual platform. So things like, um, you know, when you're going and, and walking around having a look at work as it's happening in a boiler, um, it's going to be very hard to do that in an environment that's, you know, um, up in the middle of, you know, a, a tower or wherever it is um, virtually. So people are playing around with virtual reality and call centre sort of stuff around, you know, ring it, phone a friend from a safety perspective. Um, but it, it's pretty um, early days, I think, for it. But um, definitely I think the innovation part has um, changed considerably. I think we're thinking differently about stuff. So, yeah, I don't um, – yeah, I, I, think, I think it's quite interesting – um, talking to the teams in the field because they are so busting to see anyone, right? So we've, we've we've had to not be there. So I think sometimes in the past, like, oh, God, here we go again. Um, they're here. Um, but now I think not the safety team but just leaders in general because we, you know, have programs of um, uh, senior leaders going out to sites and visiting and all that sort of stuff. And um, now when they go, they're like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. I know that you care because there's just been such a gap, I think, around people being able to access sites. So, yeah, so I think it's, I think it's changed things um, and some for the better and some I think will um, we'll have a heightened awareness of what we're on site to do when we're there, if that makes sense. What do you know now that you would have given yourself advice for seven months ago? I mean... I think that's an interesting question. What what weren't you ready to do? 
was not ready to do. Um, I, I think I, I think we were ready to do anything. I, I don't think that we're, we're, well, as an organisation, I think because we're quite agile anyway as an organisation. I like change or responding to crisis or that sort of stuff is actually in our DNA as an organisation. So I think that's why we were able to manoeuvre so quickly, to be honest. Um, but I think um, there was things that probably surprised us along the way. It wasn't so much that we weren't ready to respond. It was more that there were a bit of a surprise and then we had to think about how we were going to enact a response. So whether it was a you know, before COVID, a bushfire or, um, you know, a generator blowing up or whatever, we kind of respond to crises quite well. It's just part of what we do. I think the piece for us was about just just managing through so much complexity all at one time. So we had to work out how we're going to get through borders, how we're going to deal with lots and lots of activity all at the same time everywhere. Um, so my advice to myself would probably um, be just to remain open to change and to remain agile. I think um, that really held us in good stead and I, I actually feel like we handled it really well. Um, I think now what I didn't really realise um, before was just how much you can do remotely. <laughs> a bit like this, right? It, <laughs> it, awesome. is, it is interesting because... I'm like you. I didn't think I, I wouldn't have thought any stuff would work very well remotely. And I'm learning a ton of stuff works pretty darn well remotely. And some of it works better, I think. I know. And and is less operationally disruptive as well, which is great, right? So um, the other thing that I wasn't expecting either was just how much more connected in some ways we are. And then I'm also recognizing that some people don't feel as connected depending on what role they are in. So um, it's impacted some people more than others, I think. So um, in terms of that connectivity. So, yeah. The idea of seeing agility as a, as a capacity, I think, is one thing that's rolled, at least for me, it's rolled out of this kind of surprisingly. I, I always thought agility was interesting and important. I mean, that's not a problem. And it was fun. It's fun to be scrappy. It's fun to to be able to zoom around and handle change quickly. I didn't realize it would be such an important coping mechanism and such an important operational tool, but it really has become a tool. And I think it's something that we ought to probably pull the string on a little more because what makes an organization agile, I don't think were the things we thought would make it agile. I, I, I think it's really other. I think like, for instance, the example I'd use is I think agility is actually has a lot to do with strong lines of communication and psychological safety from the top of the organization to the bottom of the organization. They can communicate well, people trust what they communicate, and they have the ability to change on a dime. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think the communication is just absolutely key. And we started really strongly in that space with our CEO communicating really clearly across the organisation about what we were going to do. Um, and then I think um, because we're a business that is, is – we, we are just by our nature agile, I don't think that we probably recognise how – much of a capacity that actually is and so now that we've been able to switch it on and um, 
and do things that even though we were agile, I think we actually had this, um, it was almost a blind spot around how good we actually are at it. And then, um, and, and then with this crisis happening, I think all of the gears that are there and people use all the time just really came into their own. And I think there'll be some really deep reflection on that post-COVID. Um, and we're already starting to talk about that now. Like, what can we change? How can we, how can we actually use what we've learned to become a better organisation into the future as well? Because the world's still completely changing, right? It's just going so fast so yeah so that's a really good question let's pull the string on that because that's uh that's actually kind of what i wanted to talk to you about how are you how are you learning from this are you are you creating deliberate learning opportunities as a senior leadership team are you are you building after action reviews into the system what are you doing to capture all the learning that clearly you guys have i mean it's it's quite remarkable how much you've learned and how are you how are you getting it how are you how are you getting that feedback back into the system. Yeah, so it depends on which team we're looking at, I guess. So some teams are doing after-action reviews or we might do post-operational um, reviews. We, we're always doing them, but I think there's just a completely different lens on them now. So there's the, there's the COVID lens, there's the, oh, gee, can we do it um, like this in the future lens where I think the business is going, oh, this is actually a really massive opportunity. So there's a pause and go, oh, maybe we don't have to do it the way that we were doing it in the past. There's quite a lot of discussions around how do we not revert back to what we were doing before. So I think the capture of that's been really been part of our story and our dialogue with each other at a senior level, um, which, is, which I think is really where it all starts, right? Do you feel a lot of that bureaucratic crap that that I guess I can't think of a better word, the bureaucratic crap, the administrivia, that's kind of a fancy pants word. Do you feel it creeping back in? No, actually, no, I don't. Not yet. So that's the fear, right? (laughs) That's the fear I've got. I was like, oh, no, don't don't let that creep back in. But it's actually not just my fear. I think people have changed their mindset about that. I think they're going, well, actually, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. We don't need to do this. We really need to think about what we're doing, but also what we're not going to do going forward as part of our lessons from this experience. So um, I'm really hopeful that if we keep having that conversation, it'll stick. It won't just be a, a thought and then we move on. It seems like it's more of a, it, you're coming at it more legitimately than if you went into declutter, right? Which is the big hot term that everybody uses, right? Let's declutter. Because I think when we declutter, we tend to think of simplify and we get rid of crap that is crap, but probably not terribly important crap. Because of the crisis, because of COVID and all the associated crises around it, we really had a burning platform. And the first thing to go was anything that didn't add value to generating power and decreased attention, cost, time, energy, effort, or emotion away from the work. And so in a way, it was a kind of a brilliant way to, uh, to reprioritize what matters. And that's kind of a cool opportunity. It is. And I actually think sometimes labeling things can have the opposite effect of what you're trying to achieve. So if you think about decluttering, that actually has a connotation for people around, I think, is paperwork. 
that's what it feels like. It's like, oh, well, we're not going to do that paperwork. How do I take that procedure out or make it shorter or whatever? But I think a lot of our clutter is actually other things. So um, sometimes it's about the 25 steps in a process. It might not even be 25 documents. It might actually be the fact that we've made it so hard for ourselves that we've got busy work happening or we've created busy work because there's um, – people doing that but now that they've had to shift to doing something else we kind of go ah do we even need to do that in the first place and then there's actually a proper conversation going ah yes we really need to do that and we put it on pause or actually let's have another look at that and go "Mm, maybe that isn't as value added as we thought it was 12 or 18 months ago so those things are definitely happening wow well good luck in the future I just hope that we continue to think that way. I think that's the, probably the biggest risk for us and probably other organisations as well because I think when you are in this kind of a space, it's easy to go back to comfort and what you know. Um, and for us, if you think about, I think us as a as – a, as a, not just as a business but as a society um, – we kind of like that safeness. So when we move out of that safe place and go, oh, this is really uncomfortable, it might still be uncomfortable in six months' time. So I think it's about living with the, with the discomfort and going, actually, I really don't need that. Um, it did make me feel safe, but I'm okay and I can still move on from it and nothing's going to really happen. Isn't that a super fun conversation? I just think Deidre's got this cool energy. I don't know how to describe that. It sounds weird when you say it, but I don't know. It's just it's just kind of fun, fun listening to her, and it's fun to think about how we're sort of gathering data. That sounds too clinical. How we're learning and improving—that's probably better. Um, in the midst of a lot of uncertainty, and I think that is really worth talking about. In in within our community and to ourselves, I'm thinking myself mostly, is that out of this dramatic intervention, this pandemic that's changed everything to some extent, there must be the ability to benefit, that we must become stronger. Our ability to learn is really a part of this. I I mean, I worry about this a tiny bit, is all this stuff will happen, all this giant intervention will take place, and will we learn? Well, I I think, as as Deidre helped me think about and helped you think about today, it's really the input. It's it's how we think about it, how we move forward, what our what our questions are, what our attitude is, that's going to allow us the ability to come out of this with some benefit. And benefit would be nice. I mean that that ability to operationally benefit is completely worth its time. That's valuable. And there's good news in the midst of all this other uncertainty. So I think that's how we have to look at it. We have to be positive enough to understand that, that well, it's, it's the classic question. Is the pandemic a cost or an investment? Do we see it as a complete cost, or, or is there an opportunity for us to learn, develop, grow, improve? And, and that's where we are. Other than that, I think that's the podcast for today. I love these. This one, I was really looking forward to sharing this one with you, and so we did. 
And uh, I think this is a fun little pod. It's perfect, I think. And there's more to come, so much more to come. Tell your friends. Subscribe, like, do all that kind of stuff. It seems to make some kind of difference to algorithms that care about this. I don't really understand. I've never really understood all that. It just is weird. It's I think mostly because I don't want to understand it. There, I said it. It's out there now for the world. Until then, though, learn something new every single day. I bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. And for goodness sakes, be safe.